Welcome to IOL Radio. I'm Amy Peltier, Managing Editor of IO Learning, a digital publication geared toward interventional oncologists and the news source for the Symposium on Clinical Interventional Oncology. Our guest today is Dr. Kenneth Tomkovich, co-principal investigator of the ICE-3 trial, which was designed to evaluate the safety and efficacy of breast cryoablation, enabling women older than 60 years with low-risk early-stage breast cancers to benefit from a non-surgical treatment and to avoid the associated surgical risks. Dr. Tomkovich is here to discuss the three-year interim analysis, which was recently published in the Annals of Surgical Oncology. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Tomkovich. That's my pleasure. What existing data led to you and your co-investigators to conduct this research? Well, I was studying the topic of breast cancer ablation for several years prior to starting the idea of doing this research. Uh, as a my background is in interventional radiology. I trained in interventional radiology, and we were doing ablation procedures for a lot of other organs like uh, the liver or kidney, uh, even bone tumors and lung tumors. Now it's pretty well known that that that's that's a topic, uh, you know, certainly to this audience that that's well known. Doing ablation therapy, but the breast really wasn't done, and I was trying to figure out why. So um, I studied a lot of the the research that was done, and actually, if you look back at the literature. Um, there's some research on breast ablation dating back like 20, 25 years. So people had tried it and, and thought of it. But what I found was it was kind of like putting together like or figuring out a Rubik's Cube. Uh, a lot of the research that was done was done kind of all over the place. It was done on patients that had different sized tumors or different subcategories of tumors and um, uh, like metastatic disease and disease of the nodes and, and different treatment modalities and, and different ablation types. Like uh, a lot of the, the research was done using RF ablation or microwave ablation, which I don't think is necessarily best for the breast because it's hard to see those uh, ablation areas by ultrasound. And that's what's best to see the, the, the tumor. So when we did this and we were trying to, to get together and figure out this research protocol and I was developing this protocol, um, I really tried to hone in on the best population that I thought was best suited for this for this particular research, and and we seemed to to hit it pretty well. Describe your study and its findings. So the ICE three trial study has been going on since about 2014. Uh, the study involves a certain specific subgroup of patients that I feel are best suited for ablation therapy, and by that we included women uh, initially that were. Uh, 60 years old and older. We, we since had uh, some patients that were under 60 years included in the study. Uh, we selected patients that have low-grade breast cancers, meaning those that are like luminal A-type cancers, ERPR positive, HER2 negative. We didn't want any triple negative cancers. We also wanted cancers that were 1.5 centimeters or less. Why? Because the device that we use and, and most ablation devices can create a very nice ice ball and a very good kill zone in that region of 1.5 centimeters or less. It doesn't involve a two probe placement. It just involves a single probe placement right through the center of these lesions. And also this particular type of cancer is really the one that we see most in our populations. Uh, most mammographers, most breast imagers will find cancers that are 1.5 centimeters or less. And these early stage cancers and that's if women come in for their annual mammograms or screening ultrasound examinations. We also want to make sure we found cancers that we could absolutely see by ultrasound and that they had a fairly well-defined border by ultrasound. 
meaning that uh, this is an ultrasound guided procedure. So when we place the probes, we have to be able to place them through the target accurately. And we wanted to find those cancers that were best suited, meaning the ones that were best visible by ultrasound. So we could do an ultrasound guided procedure. And that means that we excluded some cancers from this uh, trial. We excluded uh, patients that had DCIS uh, because you can't really see that by ultrasound. And we excluded patients that had lobular cancers or those higher grade cancers that we thought were maybe more aggressive. Um, basically what we did then was we, we ablated the tumors. Uh, the typical procedure is to really, if you can do an ultrasound guided corneal biopsy, it's not a, a, a big step to do an ultrasound guided cryoablation for breast cancer. Uh, you clean the breast. We just give local anesthesia, which is great because the patients are awake and alert for the procedures. Uh, we put in the probe. We do the ablation. It's a, typically with the device that we use, the, uh, the ProSense device. Uh, this is a, a clinical trial sponsored by Ace Cure Medical. Um, so we use their particular machine and their device. And what we did was we placed that uh, in and we did an eight minute freeze, an eight minute thaw and an eight minute freeze. That's typical, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, but we wanted to get a really good margin of ice or a good kill zone around that tumor. So typically the ice balls that were created were four to five centimeters to kill a tumor that's 1.5 centimeters or less, which gave us a, a nice 10 millimeter margin of, of ice around the tumor. And we felt confident that that was gonna be a good kill zone. And then what we did was uh, we basically extracted the probe. You put on a Band-Aid. The patients walk out. A lot of my patients go to lunch right after the procedure. It's pretty amazing. And um, uh, uh, and then we followed them. We do a mammogram six months afterward, another mammogram 12 months afterwards. Some patients uh, had supplemental MRI or uh, breast ultrasound, but that wasn't required. And then they still went on for uh, the traditional therapy, uh, such as if they needed radiation therapy, or they needed uh, some form of chemotherapy or, or hormone receptor therapy, like an oral tamoxifen or something like that, they still were offered that therapy as per the current NCCN guidelines. So we followed all those guidelines. Really, all we were replacing was patients, uh, instead of having a surgical lumpectomy, they were having the ablation procedure. And, and, and that's pretty much uh, the whole study. And then we follow, we want to follow those patients for five years to make sure that they're cancer-free, uh, because I think everyone could agree uh, the majority of patients uh, that, that, that hit five years or even three years after uh, being cancer-free are, are pretty much cured of that disease and, and free of local recurrence. Were any of your outcomes particularly surprising to you? I guess the outcome that was most surprising to me was uh, the actual uh, results uh, to date. Um, when I was planning this trial, uh, you know, at different sites, it was conducted at uh, 19 sites around the United States with multiple different investigators uh, with different varying levels of expertise in image-guided therapy. We wanted to be inclusive. Uh, this, this trial was, was really the first trial in the world uh, that was done testing uh, breast cancer ablation therapy using cryoablation and no surgical excision. So we wanted to include um, different clinicians. We included breast radiologists, we included interventional radiologists, and we also included breast surgeons. Uh, they're, they're all important parts of the team. And, and those different physicians have different levels of expertise and could all participate in this particular uh, therapy going forward. So the outcome, I guess, that uh, to answer your question is, was most uh, exciting to date and, and most um, surprising to me, I would say, is that the efficacy has been so good. Uh, we've only had four recurrences out of over 197 patients 
that we followed more than half of them now for uh, three years. Uh, a lot of patients we have, I think, are up to date now, about 57 patients, I believe, uh, currently that have completed the five-year uh, follow-up without any recurrence of cancer. So to be able to follow those patients uh, for that long, just using the imaging, using mammography, using ultrasound, um, and, and to show that they're cancer-free and their cancer has not recurred. So we have about a 98% success rate, which is really right up there uh, with the best surgeons and the best lumpectomy patients um, today. So, so that rivals this current standard of care. And, and I didn't think we were going to get that high of a number. I thought maybe 80, 85% success would be great because there's so many other benefits. I mean, the patients, like I said, they don't require anesthesia. They're awake, they're alert. Um, they come in as an outpatient procedure. It's done in an hour or less. Uh, they walk out of the procedure looking for something to do for the rest of the afternoon. You can't say that about surgery. Um, and then uh, not to mention the fact that the other thing I thought was really, really surprising was the degree of uh, cosmetic uh, benefit for this particular procedure. The patients that I see five years out, you can't tell they had anything done. Uh, their breast is their breast. They, they have their dignity. They have their their normal uh, body morphology. There, there's no scar. There's no, uh, there's nothing. I mean, it's, it's, it's just amazing. It's such a great procedure for women. Um, I really hope that it continues to, uh, uh, to be done in the future. And, and, I, and I hope this research uh, springboards that, uh, that thought process among our, our uh, physicians and, and, uh, and, and those in the field. Do you and your co-investigators intend to expand upon this research beyond, of course, your five-year results in a few years? Well, certainly we want to continue to follow these patients. And now uh, off trial, I'm treating patients uh, independently in my office with Princeton Radiology. Um, I think a lot of the other uh, physician investigators are treating patients because we see the value of this procedure. Um, I, I think there's certainly opportunity for additional research uh, to and I would welcome that to, to um, you know, show that what we did was, was actually correct and, and, and to back up the research that we were doing. That, that's really uh, the best way to prove that what you've done um, is validated and justified and, and uh, medically correct because other people are, are doing similar research that validates your results. So I'd welcome other trials uh, you know, around the world. Uh, I have uh, a lot of uh, physicians that I've been speaking to in Asia uh, India, China, Singapore, uh, Europe. Uh, there's a lot of European interest in this particular procedure. I think it'd be great if they did a similar trial, uh, piggybacked off of this. I think there's an opportunity for other trials too. Uh, one of the things that um, people have asked is, you know, well, why do we have to wait, you know, three or five years to find out that we're cancer-free? Well, perhaps, you know, if we did another trial where we did something like an image-guided biopsy of the area, say six months or 12 months after the ablation therapy to prove that there were no residual cancer cells and everything was dead in the area, I think that'd be great. And that'd be a way that patients would have that comfort to know that there is no residual cancer. And perhaps, you know, in the few cases that there was a residual tumor, we could then either re-ablate the area or then do a surgical lumpectomy, which is uh, certainly not out of the standard of care for these type of procedures. Um, there's other opportunities for additional research. I know there's some uh, interest in that DCIS. I'm a little bit hesitant because I can't really see it by ultrasound. Um, but I think the ablation therapy in general is something that's uh, is really going to uh, take off in the future following this particular research. And, and there's a lot of different areas you can go. You mentioned the IceCare Medical ProSense device and gave us a little bit of an overview earlier. Is there anything else you'd like to add regarding the device itself? 
Yeah, you know, the device, the ProSense device, I looked at several different uh, uh, devices, and there's several different very good uh, cryoablation devices out there. Um, I think this particular device, as I did did a study of all the different devices, I think this is really best suited for this particular procedure. And, and that's uh, and it was nice to partner with this company because this device has um, a single probe that's about the size of a, of a, uh, of a biopsy probe that you would do. Like, let's say you're doing a vacuum-assisted uh, breast biopsy procedure. If you're comfortable with that, you'd be comfortable with this probe. It's a single probe insertion. Some of the vendors have smaller probes that require multiple probes at overlapping zones. Uh, again, for this research and this particular uh, procedure, we don't do that. We just insert one probe right through the middle of the lesion. Um, the machine is, is uh, it uses liquid nitrogen, which, which I found is really uh, very easy to use. Uh, there's a doer that gets inserted uh, into the device. Uh, it's filled with the liquid nitrogen. It's, it's very user-friendly. And um, there's a computer algorithm that really kind of um, tells you where to go. Uh, it tells you, um, you know, how long you want to free. You can turn it on and off very easily. And, and one of the other things I thought that was really very interesting with this particular uh, device and this particular technology is um, it creates an ice ball so quickly and so accurately. And, and it doesn't expand beyond uh, where you are ablating. So in other words, let's say I, I wanted to, you know, I thought the ice was getting too big or too close to the skin. That's one of the things you know, we have to look out for is, is, is protecting the skin. And it's really fairly easy to do. And most uh, IR docs or, or even breast surgeons who are uh, doing this procedure have a very easy time. We've just placed a, another needle, like a, a 20 gauge or 18 gauge spinal needle, anterior to the needle between the, the tumor, I'm sorry, anterior to the tumor between the, the tumor and the skin surface. And we inject sterile saline solution to create a, a buffer. So what I'm saying is with this device, when, when you want to stop that ice ball from growing, you just hit stop and it doesn't grow any further. It's pretty amazing that it doesn't expand upon its, uh, its borders. In other words, it doesn't you know go another two or three or four millimeters past when you want to shut it off. So the ice ball is really easy to see. It's, it's black. It's very, very, very visible on, um, on imaging, which I think is a, is a great advantage over thermal ablation because, um, you know, the example I give in my lectures is, you know, if you're, if you're heating something, um, you know, with thermal ablation and the breast is mostly fatty tissue, imagine cooking a piece of bacon, right? It, it shrivels, it, it changes its morphology, it smokes. So it makes it difficult to work with. Um, it, uh, and also that requires anesthesia, right? You need either, either general anesthesia or you need a heavy conscious sedation because it, it hurts. The cryo provides its own, um, you know, anesthesia. So, so the, the cold, once you start freezing, the patient don't feel anything. Uh, they're just sitting there comfortable, uh, listening to the music, talking to us. And, and again, um, you know, that, that really is a very visible, easy thing to do. So like if you froze a piece of bacon, and then you took it out of the freezer a week later, it would look just like the same piece of bacon. So that's the same thing that happens in the breast. It's, it's very, it's a nice kind of analogy to think of, you know, why I like cryoablation over thermal ablation and why I like this particular device over some other devices that I've, I've used. And, and again, the ice ball uh, with this technology is created very, very quickly. So it's easy for uh, the operators to use, meaning, you know, the eight minutes goes quick. Uh, the ice balls form even quicker than that sometimes. And then for the patients, it's very comfortable. They can tolerate something, you know, they're, and they're just laying on the table for half an hour. So it's, it's, it's really, a, a, I think, an excellent technology and very user-friendly and can be used, uh, you know, by, by many clinicians um, with just a little bit of training. Is there anything else you'd like to add on the advantages of cryotherapy over other types of ablation? 
you know, I, I know some other people are looking at microwave and, and thermal ablation. That's fine. Uh, I just uh, would caution them uh, in doing so. I, I think uh, really the way to go is cryoablation. And uh, I think we have something that works. We're proven that it works through this particular research. Um, I would stick to cryoablation for patient comfort. Um, you don't need, like I said, general anesthesia. You don't need conscious sedation. All you need is 10 mLs of 1% lidocaine. That's all I use in all of my cases. It's all I've ever used. And, uh, um, you know, that's cheap. It doesn't require a lot of monitoring. Um, and the cryoablation, as I said, you know, the, the ice ball forms very nicely, very easily visible. And uh, it certainly does the job. Uh, you know, the, 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 um, Thermal properties, you know, create a very uh, cold ice ball, uh, adequate kill zone using the liquid nitrogen uh, that that's used with this ProSense uh, machine by Ice Cure Medical. Um, so, so I'm a big fan of cryoablation, and and also if you look at some of like the old research that I was discussing uh, earlier, uh, that using thermal ablation didn't have the best results. It didn't have you know as good uh, efficacy and as good uh, outcomes as we do with our procedure using cryoablation. Is there anything else you'd like to add as far as contrasting the cryoablation procedure with a surgical lumpectomy? Oh, well, that's kind of a snowball question now that we're talking about ice. Uh, I mean, the comparisons are, are uh, you know, there's no comparison. Uh, this versus surgical lumpectomy. Um, I really think this is the way of the future. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, patients uh, will benefit greatly from this particular procedure because, uh, it doesn't require anesthesia. You don't have to go for pre-emission testing. You don't have to go in for same-day surgery. Um, you're not under the knife. You're not cut. There's no, um, there's no sewing. There's no significant scarring after the procedure. As I as I mentioned earlier, uh, the cosmetic benefits are tremendous. Uh, the women, if you speak to my patients, and a lot of them are happy to speak to uh, everybody about this procedure. They're raving about it uh, because they they have like a 98 percent positive uh, result uh, or, or positive outcome or positive um, response when they're asked about their cosmetic results. So um, I, I think it's a great procedure. Um, you, you know, uh, long-term benefits um, are certainly there for, from a cosmetic standpoint and short-term benefits. Uh, again, I, I'm repeating myself, but the patients walk out of this procedure. They, they leave, you know, uh, I, I sometimes treat patients uh, that are, live in remote locations and um, they ask me about driving home, you know, four or five hours after the procedure. Um, and, and we do it. We, you know, they go to lunch and then they drive home and, and then they're fine. So uh, you can't really do that right after surgery, you know. Uh, um, and then you, there's a healing period from surgery. There's very little healing period for this. Uh, again, what we do is place a starry strip uh, over a you know, a quarter inch incision that we make for this procedure. And, you know, five days later, that, that thing's all healed. So uh, it's, it's really great. Uh, for the patients. And I think it's a, it's a big benefit um, from a morbidity uh, standpoint. Um, and and, uh, and I, I don't think there's really any comparison to a surgical lumpectomy. Uh, were there any specific criteria that led you to choose cryoablation for certain patients over referring to lumpectomy? Well, the whole purpose of this particular trial was to see if cryoablation would work. Uh, we didn't know that it was going to work. We didn't know um, how well it would work to date. Um, as I stated earlier, a 98% success rate is pretty amazing. Um, that rivals surgical lumpectomy. So we were basically trying, we know surgical lumpectomy is the gold standard. 
Uh, and we were trying to compare cryoablation, a new therapy, a new way to treat breast cancer versus the gold standard, which is surgical lumpectomy. And I think, uh, you know, in this subset of patients, in this uh, almost 200 patients, we, we've pretty much done that to date. Um, we still have to continue to gather our data. The, the trial is not over. Uh, I want to emphasize that uh, we, we are still gathering data. We're still collecting data on all these patients. We don't have a full three-year follow-up on all of our patients, and we certainly don't have the full five-year follow-up. We won't get that for another two or three years. Um, but uh, the results to date are very encouraging. What needs to happen to make cryoablation for breast cancer to be better adapted other than FDA clearance for the specific T1 invasive breast cancer? Um, other than FDA clearance? Well, I mean, I think that's, a, that's you know, uh, that is a big thing. Uh, I think, uh, you know, this is a very safe procedure. Uh, there have been really no adverse uh, events. So, um, uh, and, we're, and we've shown very good efficacy. So I'm hopeful uh, that as we continue the process here, that the FDA will recognize this as a, as a, uh, as a procedure that is um, worthy of approval for use in, uh, as, as other ablation procedures have been approved for things like the lung and liver and kidneys and things that we, we, we do all in our daily practices now. Um, another hurdle would be, uh, who's actually going to do this procedure. Uh, you know, um, right now there's no specific training in breast ablation. So is it going to be interventional radiologists? Is it going to be breast radiologists? Is it going to be the breast surgeons or a combination of the three? Um, you know, similar to other procedures that, that were either pioneered by IR docs or, uh, pioneered by the surgeons. And then, and then there's a commingling. Um, I think that'd be great if everyone collaborates together and recognizes this procedure and starts to make it part of a regular training program. Uh, in addition, we really, um, you know, as we continue to publish these results and, and there uh, are more results out there, I think it'd be great if we establish a registry uh, for these patients to follow um, the results of future cases that are done. So we can have a database and, and, and uh, in addition, um, you know, we need a code. Uh, here in the United States, uh, we don't have a billing code for this particular procedure. There is a code for uh, fibroadenoma ablation, but there's not one yet for breast cancer ablation. I think that that would be, uh, we have a level three code, but not a level one code. Um, so, um, so there's a lot of things that, are, that are, are required going forward. And I recognize why we don't have one right now, because there hasn't been a lot of research. So, um, you know, the, the data isn't there and, and I respect that. And, um, and that's fine, but I think you know trials like ours, and again, I would encourage additional trials to support what we've done and to validate what we've done uh, in hopes of, of getting these things done, getting a code, uh, increasing awareness, increasing uh, training amongst uh, subspecialties, and, uh, and making this uh, procedure that we can, uh, you know, maybe five or 10 years from now, we'll look back in and say, oh, I can't believe you weren't doing cryoablation uh, five or 10 years ago, you know. Uh, it's such a great procedure for, for women and, and, uh, and, and the clinicians also that perform the procedure. Is there anything else pertaining to this research and its findings that you would like to add? Um, I think I've covered a lot of it. I think, you know, uh, one of the main things I want to stress is that it's, it's really very well tolerated by the patients. Uh, a lot of my patients, you know, I, I give them a lot of credit for, for allowing us to do this research because they are the pioneers in this particular procedure. Uh, I'm not the pioneer, the, the women who, uh, who said, yeah, try this, uh, you know, ablate my cancer and leave it in my breast. This is the first trial doing this in the world that didn't require a surgical lumpectomy um, after the ablation procedure. So the women were really putting their trust in me uh, and, and, um, and, and I really value that. And, and I think, um, I'm very happy 
to say that, you know, that they are the ones who are benefiting now. Um, now that the results are coming back, that it's, it's so positive and, and, uh, and I'm really very happy that, um, you know, that we were able to offer this procedure to women currently in our practice, um, you know, outside of the trial, but those that have participated in the trial, um, you know, I have a few patients now that are, that are five years out and they're, and they're finished with the trial. Um, they're so happy and I'm so happy for them that they've had this experience and we've shared this together and, and gone on this journey together because it's really been very rewarding for me personally and professionally. Thank you to Dr. Kenneth Tomkovich for being our guest today, and congratulations to him and the ICE-3 trial investigators on their impressive three-year interim results. If you would like to learn more about the ProSense cryoablation system, be sure to visit IO Learning for Dr. Tomkovich's presentation on why cryoablation is a promising choice for breast cancer treatment. This article provides an in-depth overview of the cryoablation technique and describes proper patient selection. In addition, two cases are presented that illustrate common mammographic findings before and after treatment with cryoablation. And that does it for this episode of IOL Radio. Thanks for listening.